time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to The Right Conversations. This is episode 25, and it is a conversation about finding the right therapist for you. And it's with Melissa Fulgieri. Melissa is licensed in New York and New Jersey. We're both licensed therapists. And a question that I get asked over and over and over and over again on Instagram, whether it's in my DMs or in an AMA, is how do I find the right therapist for me? And how do I know that it's the right therapist? And how do I do that Google search? And do I go through insurance? And there's all of these questions because we are so not guided in this process. And Melissa and I connected and decided that we wanted to have a conversation about this together. So Melissa, welcome. Yay. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So before we dive into our topic, will you just introduce yourself for, for everybody listening? Sure. So I'm Melissa Fulgieri. I'm a social worker by trade. Um, I started a private practice at the height of the pandemic um, almost three years ago now, which is (laughs) wild to say out loud. Um, I teach. I'm a professor at Fordham. Um, I just came out with my first book last month, which was really exciting. So I'm sort of uh, like, like, similar to you, Rachel, you know, a a Jane of all trades in terms of Mm -hmm. the way that I show up in a mental health capacity. I love that. What is your book on? It is a couples therapy workbook. So yeah, needed, right? I feel like that's so needed. So if, if anybody's listening and they're like, Oh, is that for me? Who, who is it for? So it is for anyone who is in a dyadic relationship. Um, It's focused on romantic relationships, but quite honestly, I I was a family therapist for almost a decade. And so I sort of always think with the family in mind. And so it, it would really benefit anyone who is in a relationship with another person and whether that's like the first date or the 25th, 40th year that you've been together. It's, it's um, a book that is giving some concrete advice and strategies on how to build and deepen your intimacy with one another. Oh, I love that. I love that because so many people don't actually need couples therapy, but they need the tools. And so often there's like, well, you can read this book that's not super prescriptive, but just kind of like babbles about psychology and theory, which like I can nerd out on, but not everybody for sure. Um, and I love that this is so tangible for people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hope people find it helpful. I mean, I, I pulled from my experience as a couples therapist, but also my experience 
you know, being in love and having many relationships throughout my life and being a friend and a, and a sister to people who had relationships. And so it's sort of like an amalgamation of everything that I possibly know about what to do when you like and, and love someone. I love that. I love that so much. And, you know, I, I often say relationships are relationships are relationships are relationships. Exactly. And like these tools that we can use with our romantic partners, we can use with our friends, with our parents, with our brothers and sisters, like literally everybody. So thank you for naming that and for writing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So let's dive into this. And I'm curious what the first thing when you heard, like when we decided on this topic and you heard, okay, finding the right therapist for you, what was the first thing that came into your head? So, you know, I can answer that both sort of like cliche, like stereotypically, I thought about fit, obviously, but, and what I mean by fit is like finding the right fit that 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 is really the thing that's most important. But when I sort of kept thinking about it, I thought about the fact that I think, thankfully, we're in a time right now in our culture where we have the most informed consumers of therapy. I don't know if you feel like that, but yeah. Oh, I agree. (laughs) Agree What I mean by that is like, someone calls me and they'll be like, so I know I have an anxious avoidant attachment style and that's like really the thing I want to work through. And I'm like, holy shit. Like it is so amazing that people are so sort of hip to their own mental health. And I also think that makes the question of fit that much more complicated because people really know, they know about themselves more than I think people ever have in sort of like a psychological way. Um, And so I think it makes finding the right fit a little bit more complicated. So can you talk about that a little bit more? And I I feel very, very, very similarly, Um, but why does it make it better? And why does it make it more complicated? Well, I think, so to just go a couple steps back on finding the right fit, you know, it's funny, I I was teaching this to my class like a week ago where I, you know, really in the research, what the research says is no matter what you're doing, whether it's EMDR or cognitive behavioral therapy or, or DBT, it really comes down to when we think about what works, it comes down to the therapeutic alliance. Yep. So the relationship that you as the client have with your therapist and whether or not you feel seen or supported or not judged or, um, honestly liked, liked yeah. by your therapist. And, and so, you know, that seemingly is really like the crux of what seems to be the most important. However, it's been that way for years. Like I remember totally, learning that statistic when I was in school. Totally, totally. Like this isn't new information. And I think, you know, as people are becoming more and more knowledgeable about what they're looking for, I think it makes things a both it's a, it's a huge opportunity to really look for what you want, right? Like if you're someone who's experienced trauma, you know, now maybe that there are so many different modalities and approaches from somatic work and body work to EMDR to, you know, cognitive processing therapies. There's so many different options for you, which I think is incredible and also really freaking overwhelming as someone who 
you know, it's hard enough to like decide you want to go to therapy. Right. right? (laughs) So, okay. So let's start from the beginning. Someone thinks to themselves, okay, it's time, like regardless of what they're aware of or not, maybe they've never heard of attachment styles. Maybe they've read every book on them. Like, right. That, setting that aside, where do you recommend someone starts? They have this thought, I want to go. What's the next step? I think you want to really think about your why. Why do you want to go? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have people reach out to me who say, I really just want a space to put my shit. And, and mm-hmm. as a client of therapy and a, and a longtime consumer of therapy myself, that's really most mostly how I utilize therapy as well. It's a space to put my shit. I, you know, I don't have, sometimes I come in with very specific goals and sometimes it's just sort of like, listen, I'm giving therapy all day, every day. I don't want that to bleed into my, to my life. And so I'm just looking for a space to show up um, with everything and anything that I have. So that's sort of like one option for answering the why. And then the other option with understanding that this is actually a spectrum, not like a binary is, you know, what do you want to work on? What do you want to get out of it? What do you want the experience to feel like? You know, I've, I've had people who come in, you know, they want homework. They want, Mm. they keep a notebook with them. They want to be able to really target some very specific coping skills like anxiety or or not coping skills, um, you know, struggles that they're having like anxiety or like their depressive symptoms. And so that's sort of like the spectrum I see is either you show up and are just like, I just want a space or you come and you're like, I'm really struggling with this job that I'm in and I really need to figure out a way to um, put in place better boundaries. And I think all of those answers are fine and, and totally valid. Beautiful. So how can someone know kind of, how do I want to phrase this? <laughs> if they identify their why, how can they translate that into the search? Yeah. So. I think what I've found both on on either side as a client and as a therapist is it's much more, and I don't know if you agree with this, but for me, at least it seems to be much more of an intuitive gut feeling. And so when, when you go and start to like put your fingers to the keyboard on searching for a for a therapist, I think you want to just read, like you want to Google therapist in New York, or you want to use a, a typical search engine, let's say like psychology today, or like um, Alma, I know is really big uh, or getting really big, especially in New York. Let's say you use a, a search engine and you have a million therapists pop up. I think you want to read what people have to say about themselves. And you want to listen to your reactions on what people say mm-hmm. about themselves. You know, if you are intrigued, if you are reading someone's blurb and you're having this experience that's like, yes, exactly, that's me. I think that's a good sign to do the next step, which is reach out and schedule a call. Love that. Are there any, I, I agree with you, by the way, I think that I'm, I'm really hesitant to refer people to 
therapist-specific search engines mm. only because I the amount of people specifically, I'm not as familiar with Alma, but mm. with psychology today, the ability to click all of the different specialties. Oh yeah. And then filter by specialty, but get someone who has clicked like all 50 boxes. Oh my God. I know. So which kind of transitions into my next question is, okay, so person either is on psychology today, they're on Alma, they're using Google, whatever method they choose, they type in their area, kind of if there's a specific thing that they want to work on, or perhaps they're part of a community, like if you're a person of color or mm-hmm. you're in the LGBTQ community, like if, if there is something specific to you that you know you want in a therapist, that's also a good search term to put in. What are red flags, Melissa, that you would say? Uh, one of them I just said, which is if somebody clicks every specialty totally. and says, I work with everyone and every diagnosis in every population. No, no, you do not. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. That's a great red flag. I think the other red flag honestly goes to the, um, like, let's say you get to the phone call um, and have your chat with them. Like, for instance, I, for every client that comes through my door, I schedule a 15 minute free consultation call. And that's really to, you know, have people ask their questions. I ask some of my questions, but it, reciprocally, it's around figuring out if we're really a fit, you know, a, a good enough fit to sort of transition to the next point. And so the other red flag I would say, again, is really internal. How do you feel when you're talking to this person? Do you feel safe? Do you, or safe, I don't, maybe it's not easy to build in 15 minutes, but do you feel um, curious? Do you feel good? I think that is a, like, that's a, such a huge indicator, just the way that you feel when you chat with someone that I don't think we always listen to. Um, So that's one thing. And then sort of back to what you were saying about the search engine, you know, that's only one way to do it, right? Like using Google. The other way that a lot of people come to see me through is just referrals from other clients. Yeah. And so that's another way too, is like ask around, you know, that's the beautiful thing about the world we're living in right now is that people are much more open about the fact that they go to therapy or have sought out therapy. And so hopefully if you're finding yourself in those spaces and places, you can ask around and say like, Hey, I'm looking and I hope this is the case that more often than not, someone will be able to say, Oh, Hey, I, you know, someone that I'm working with, I really love, or I used to work with this person that I love and give you a name. I thank you for naming that. Cause it is, I have found that those are when I have been looking for a therapist, Mm -hmm. that has been the best way for me to find someone is asking someone that I trust who they know. And it may not even be that they have personally worked with them, but perhaps their friend shared with them that they really liked their therapist and their friend reminded them of me. And so they think that then I would work well with that therapist. And it's such a nice referral system. Totally. I'm also interested because, so I get a lot of referrals via social media. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting about <laughs> social media is the more that I have shared about myself, mm-hmm. it has attracted more people who are already good fits. 
Oh my versus, God. I have so many thoughts on this. Okay. Yeah. Totally. So please share, share thoughts, dump. <laughs> no, no, no. I want you to finish what you're saying. I just no, got so no, excited. No. And no, please go. Well, so a couple things I, I have found that too. And it is, and I think about this all the time. I think about like, you know, all these businesses out there that are like, how to find your ideal client. And I think it is exactly what you're saying. The more that you are yourself, um, and I was, this is sort of a tangent, but I'm going to go and do it anyway. And that goes away. <laughs> okay, great. I was going to start with a compliment when I, when we first got on this phone call, because I have to tell you, like when I started my business, I did not find many models of the types of therapists that I felt like were close to the vibe that I wanted to portray because at least I was raised in the time of like, you should be a blank slate therapist. And the more that you self-disclose, the more inappropriate you're being. And that was never a snug fit for me just because of the way that I show up and the way that I portray myself and the way that I create safety and spaces. And so watching you on social media as this other option, because I, I truly don't think we've figured this out yet. I think we're in a time right now where we are figuring out how much do we share? What do we share? And who is it for, right? Mm -hmm. Like you and I are are in a service industry okay. in so many ways. And so the question of who is it for is always sort of present in my mind. And I'm so glad you said that people are coming through to you because I've noticed that too. The more authentic I am, the more people that aren't a fit for me self-select out. Yes. And people self-select in yes. when they're when whatever I'm saying or whoever I, you know, the showing who I truly am, mm -hmm. when people look at that and say like, yes, she's crazy and I'm all about it. Yep. Like, yeah. That, <laughs> that's, I find, I think about my caseload and, you know, I can say easily that I love my clients. Like, and I think it's a big part of me showing up as authentically myself yeah. and that is just sort of, it's already like we're two steps ahead in terms of finding the right fit. Totally. First of all, thank you for the compliment. It means a lot. I have received such mixed feedback from colleagues. I believe it. And I believe it. yeah, at the beginning it was really tough because I had this little voice like, am I a bad therapist for disclosing so much in social media? And you. right. And it's what I've learned over the years is that there is obviously, I mean, I guess it's not obvious to some people, but there's a big difference between disclosing things on social media and then disclosing things and taking up space in a session. Yep. And yep sharing parts of who I am, sharing that I struggle with depression, sharing that mm -hmm. I struggle with anxiety. For some people, that is going to be a turnoff and mm -hmm. they don't want to know anything about their therapist and that's okay. Yeah. And then for other people, they're like, oh, you attend sex parties and have depression. So do mm -hmm. I let me mm -hmm. like, you're the perfect person that I want to talk to. Cause I don't have to explain these things. Whereas right. another person may have more questions. And 
Yeah. So I, I really deeply appreciate the compliment because I, you know, of course the brain focuses so much more on the negative and, um, it has just been semi recently that I've gotten to the point of feeling very confident in what I share and what I don't on, on social. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just so you know, I have that voice in my head too. It, it's never stopped me from sharing like fortunately or unfortunately, like I, I tend to share and then sort of beat myself up about it after the fact, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't stop my sharing. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier around, like, we cannot be a good fit for everyone. Yeah. We shouldn't be a good fit for everyone. And it is, it is not just on the burden of the client to figure that out. It's actually on the burden. It's the burden of the therapist to embody the fact that we're not a good fit for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, (laughs) one of the things that's really helped me is creating this kind of internal referral system. And so Mm. I have therapists that they're on my team, but they're contractors. And so people will kind of filter through and they may be a better fit for someone else. And then I get to personally kind of hand them off rather Mm, than kind of sending them back into the wild. (laughs) Like, nope, try again. Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so lovely. Have you, what have you found to be um, the benefits of finding clients through your website versus a search engine like a psychology today or an Alma versus social media. Like if someone is thinking, oh, hmm, which route should I go? What would you advise them to do? Uh, as the client? Mm-hmm. Well, I get most of my clients from other clients or other therapists. So I do think that you should tap into your community first, you know, especially what you said about you know, if you're in a community, um, if you're in the LGBTQ community, let's just say, right? Like that is, you know, if your friend or someone that you know that is also in that community has already vetted that this is a safe safe person to speak with or they experience safety with this person, then I think that is instrumental, especially if you're in a community that's marginalized. And so I would say that's sort of like the first order of business is if you are someone who is in a marginalized community, um, to tap into your community first for a referral, um, because that is often where you will find the fits. Um, outside of that, I would say, you know, I know therapists say this all the time, but it's kind of like dating, you know, sometimes you have to cast a wide net and, have a couple first dates, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the form of a 15 minute consult. So maybe you, you know, reach out to your friend of a friend's therapist, but then maybe also you use a search engine or two, you know, and, and this is, I'm speaking, you know, from personal experience on the client side, right? Like I've, I think the last time I wanted to go back into therapy was, maybe like eight months ago, I was switching from one therapist to another. And I really wanted someone who was more targeted in what I was experiencing. And so I got a referral from a friend and I did two or three consults with 
um, different therapists and just got a real sense of what was I experiencing throughout the course of our conversation? And did I really feel like they could, um, I, I like struggle to even say the word help. Cause what does that even mean? But yeah. like, could they just bear witness to what I'm bringing in and provide the type of space that I needed to get out of, um, what I, what I needed from therapy. Cause I, cause I also think as a therapist, it, it gets a little bit trickier when you're trying to, um, find a therapist. Cause we sort of like know all the defense mechanism yep. tricks. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like I need someone to really call me on my bullshit. Same. Um, <laughs> Same. We were like, <laughs> we were just recently looking for, uh, a family therapist for me and my three mm -hmm. partners. And we had a few consultations set up and on the, call, the first call, I was like, listen, I can outrun most right. therapists. And like, I, I don't want to be ahead of you. And I also don't right. want to feel, um, I don't want to feel different from my partners in the room. Yes. Like I want exactly. us to be on the same playing field and not be a step ahead of them because I know what you're going to do. do. Yeah, totally. Totally. So I think it's also really, you know, the more self-awareness you can bring as the client to the fit conversation around like, what are you going to do? That is a defense mechanism that you need your therapist to help you with. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, okay. Question for you. And this I know is a bit, um, debated and I don't know, there's not a universal thought on this. And so I just want to name that before we yeah. get into this, but figuring out in terms of gender and race mm -hmm. and sex and even sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this in terms of matching it to yours, having it be different than yours, trying both? What are your thoughts and feelings around this? So many, so many thoughts and feelings. Um, the first thing I thought of when you said that is actually that psychology today just added this little check um, when you're a therapist that you can put like life experience, meaning you can put like, let's say, because I work with, um, I work with domestic violence. And so I could put on my psychology today profile, like check, I have experience with domestic violence. Mm. Um, and so that's sort of what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, that's a really cool. Isn't that wild? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So at, not surprisingly, I would say my answer is both. And, you know, it's yeah. like, I think on the side of of course, I understand that people want lived experience. You know, there are certain groups of people, right? Especially marginalized groups of people that it makes complete sense that you might want someone who is in keeping with your community. Yeah. Right? Like that is not a strange concept and it's a completely understandable concept, especially when the cultural risk is that when you don't have someone from your lived experience, there's shame, there's subjugation, there's gaslighting, you know, like yep. the risks are real when you, depending on who you are and, and what privileges or lack thereof you carry when, when you show up 
with someone who doesn't share that. So like, that's the, that's the first thing I'll say on that side of things. But on the other side of things, we also know that the variance within groups is so often much more of a variance than variance across groups. Can you explain, I know what you're saying. Can you explain like very, uh, like explain it like I'm five type? (laughs) Totally. So basically what that means is that just because you're part of the same group doesn't mean you have the same lived experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, and to go even further down that rabbit hole, there's a huge risk in assuming that because you and I both have brown eyes, we have the same experiences. And, you know, because I teach therapists, I know that that's a huge risk for, on the part of the therapist to over-identify with a client just because you're in the same group. Yep. Um, it's one of the things that makes therapists less curious. You know, it's one of the things that makes therapists go like, oh, I get it. I know because I have lived. So I know. So oftentimes it's, it's safer to not have experienced what your client has experienced because you still, you allow yourself to still ask the question, what is that like for you? As mm-hmm. opposed to assume that, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is something that I find, uh, a lot in the non-monogamous community. Mm-hmm. I will often have clients, you know, let's say somebody says, I'm feeling jealous about this. Mm-hmm. I will start by asking, what does jealousy feel like? What does jealousy mean to you? Yep. And I will often get feedback from people who've worked with other therapists who are themselves non-monogamous. That mm-hmm. when they have shared that they are jealous, as an example, that they have just simply continued with the conversation as though mm-hmm. the experience of jealousy is the same for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. I wanted to give like a, a non, not as charged example around this. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. So it, it sounds like there's kind of benefits and n- not benefits <laughs> to working with someone within. Well, yeah. I mean, what, what I'll, I just have an example that I thought of where I've been working with a client who is, is, um, working through her racial identity and her multiracial identity. And we were working together for a few months, you know, talking about her racial identity and her moving through that experience. And, you know, we talked about the fact that I was white and what that experience was like for her. And I was really transparent with her. And I said, you know, sometimes I wonder how you would feel if you were working with a non-white therapist um, and working with a therapist who was um, shared your racial identity. And, you know, it was a really nice learning moment for me because her response was actually, I prefer that you're white because I never feel Asian enough Mm. when I'm working with, you know, she said she had worked with other um, Asian therapists and that she specifically chose me because I was white because it, it allowed her to not have to deal with this performative quality that she puts on. 
That um, is fascinating. It, yeah. It, that also reminds me of like picking it. Let's say I, as a client had uh, trauma or just challenges around relationships with other women, mm-hmm. then kind of pushing myself as the client to find mm-hmm. a woman therapist mm-hmm. to then build that relationship and work through that in, in the container of therapy. Um, right. or same thing, you know, if I'm a woman and I've had negative experiences with cis men, mm-hmm. you know, maybe finding a cis male therapist to, to work with. Right. Right. Like there's all sorts of, I, and I, so I think the question comes back to the client that's like, what kind of work do you want to do? Yeah. And what kind of work do you need to do? That's really what fit is about. And it's the beautiful thing. And also the overwhelming thing is that it's, it can be all self-directed. Like you get to decide if you want, you know, especially let's say like in, in the wake of George Floyd, I remember you know, all of these black women coming through the Alma platform specifically saying, I want to work with another black woman. Mm -hmm. And my reaction to that was like, yeah, of course, you know, like given where we are at right now in the climate, of course. Right. And it's, I think it's one of those things that it's like, you can allow yourself to change your mind. You can allow yourself to need one thing, right? Like the type of therapist I needed when I was 19 is wildly different than the type of therapist I need now. And that's fine. Yep. I love that. And it it ultimately then comes back and and circles back around to, you know, what is your why? Mm -hmm. And and what do you want to get out of this? And, you know, I... I always try to encourage people like interview your therapist mm-hmm. even harder than you'd interview a first date. hundred percent. You know, it's like, if you want homework, ask them if they can give you homework because there mm-hmm. are therapists out there that are going to be like, no. Exactly. Exactly. And just like get, get to it, you know? <laughs> totally. Totally. I mean, I've had people on calls ask me for like my data analytics. They're like, what's your, you know, like length of stay and what percentage of people complete successful treatment? And I'm all about, you know, some of those questions are more difficult to answer, but I really appreciate the fact that people are asking the questions, you know, because they're really taking an active approach in their care and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we all should do that. I love that. Okay. So as we wrap up, is there anything that you want to leave everyone with or something that we didn't get to or cover that you want to make sure? Um, I think the only thing I would amplify is just listen to yourself. You know, like we didn't, we talked about getting into therapy, but we also, you know, there's something to be said about staying in therapy and staying with someone that's not a right fit, Mm. you know, like people often like to invalidate their feelings, you know, and when they're not experiencing a right fit in therapy, I think we, many of us have a tendency to blame ourselves and sort of, you know, self gaslight. And so I would just say like, 
your feelings are valid. And if you're working with someone and it doesn't feel like a fit that, you know, not to look at it as a failure, just really to look at it as a fit and that there's nothing wrong with moving on and going to seek someone else out who is a better one. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks, You're so thanks. welcome. Where can people find you and find your book and all of all of that good stuff? So you can buy my book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I feel like it's at Target, maybe potentially. It's called Couples Therapy Activity Book. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Melissa Fulgieri LLC. Um, I have a blog where I write, um, little ditties every now and again on my website, which is just my first and last name.com. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if You're anyone so has follow-up questions from this, is it okay for them to, to reach out to you, DM, e email, like what is the best way for people to get in contact? Um, you can certainly try and slide into my DMs. That's not like, um, that's not a surefire way to get my attention. Best is probably email, which again, is just my first and last name at gmail.com, especially if you want to schedule um, a consultation, absolutely email me at melissafulgieri at gmail.com. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you, Rachel. It was a pleasure. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together. <laughs>